Coming up, we'll be talking about the hit Netflix show, Daredevil Season 3. And of course, the MCU and how this could possibly ever remotely even relate. Next. Hey, welcome back to the Nerdcaster Podcast, like Route 66. This is episode 66, and joining me today, we have Lori. Hello. Everyone's favorite. And I want to talk about some Daredevil, because I just finished watching it. Woo! And you saw how much of it? Um. Yeah, like two episodes. No, no it was at least six. You watched half, well, that's more than half. Are you sure? Yeah. It's only 10 episodes. So? 13 episodes. I don't even remember how many episodes because I just binge watched the shit out of it. Yeah, and you watched all of them. What does that say about you? It, it says that I don't remember things good. <laughs> I don't. But you watching it and only watching half of the season, what were your thoughts? Uh, um, what did you think of this season? Not that you watched, I don't think, season one or two either. So you really I watched can't. part of season one and part of season two, and I watched The Defenders. And you watched part of season three, and you watched The Defenders. Mm-hmm. So, here's, so so here's my point. You don't need that many episodes to tell the whole story. Like, oh my God, get on with it. Yeah, but you asked me a bunch of questions when you jumped in. Like, what's going on? Why is this happening? It's like, well, maybe if you watch the first four episodes, no, no, you no. would have realized. No, no, no. I asked who... What the fuck is his name? Bulls asked who he was. I was just like, who who or what is that? And then you explain. I asked you very minimal questions. Speaking of which, three. if you have not watched Daredevil, spoilers going forward. Oh, I mean. And if you haven't, yeah. then. Uh, that wasn't a spoiler at all, what no, I said. No, it's not a spoiler, but okay. it made me think that I should probably give that warning before we continue. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So you asked more than just that. No, you asked sure. me who Kingpin was and, no, and, I, and oh who my Karen God, you Page are such, is. You are such a liar. <laughs> that, is, that did not happen. What did you think, since you watched part of the other seasons, which season did you think was the best with the, the six episodes of each you watched, including Defenders? I'll even throw Defenders in there. You know, I, as far as action is concerned, I think that the third season was, was probably – I could give, you know, a different reason why each season I think was good. And um, I don't think you're going to beat the first season because I think setting up the characters and developing them, I think, was the best in season one um, from what I saw. And um, I think what ends up happening as you continue through, it's just like you have to, and this is the nature of television versus like films, you have to make things gradually more exciting to keep somebody's attention. Otherwise, like it's like a flop or it's not as exciting as the first one. Everybody always expects the next thing to be you know, way more awesome than it was the previous season. So it starts to get ridiculous to me as time goes on. So, like, Defenders I thought was funny because I think just the ensemble made, you know, had a lot more comedic value. I think the, the reason for that also is Defenders had these four characters who have different ideas. They're from different areas. You have the, 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 the rich lawyer. I'm not going to call him rich because he doesn't have that much money, but he's a lawyer. You have the private, the drunk private investigator you got the 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 fucking bulky ass dude from Harlem, and you got the Zen dude from the Himalayas or wherever the hell he's from, right? Kandahar but, or something. 
I think you could agree though that all the all of these all all the the shows here they have like this real gritty New York City feeling to it. I love that. That's mm-hmm. one of the, and being close to New York City, that's the one thing I like. I, I like watching this all take place in in New York. Um, that being said, season three to me was probably the second best season out of the Daredevil and Defenders thing. And it's because of Wilson Fisk. Season one, like you, like you said, is the best. And I think Vincent D'Onfrio, or whatever his name is, playing Wilson Fisk is perfect. And, and fans love it as well. I've read so much about it. What do you think of him as a villain? Oh, I think he, I think he's excellent. He fucking he's an kills excellent, it, right? He's an excellent actor, just to begin with. And because his range is... It's, it's insane. But there is, of course, there's always going to be something that just annoys the shit out of me, and it's his voice. I can't stand it. It just reminds really? me of the whole Christian Bale Batman thing. It's like, it's just... He's not talking like this. He kind of is talking like that. He's not talking like but this. But he's kind of talking like that. But he's that. not. But he, but he kind of is. But he's not. And I think that that is like, um, it works better when he gets louder. You know, obviously, because I feel like it fits. Like when, and when he, he has, You know, because he has that whole, like, that sort of that thin kind of layer of control over what he's saying when he's angry. And I think that he portrays that very well. I think it's just the just the voice that kind of just that feels a little bit over the top to me just to add that little bit of it doesn't seem like it's his natural voice right and it's not and i think but i mean for the character yeah well even for the character i always i think you know (laughs) because this is going back to the spider we talked wow this is calling this back to the spider-man episode we did before but like spider-man and fox kids oh my god yeah i mean you know do I? And I do know who Kingpin is, by the way. Because <laughs> of that show? Dude in a fat white suit. Yeah. Okay. You know and, it. Yeah, well, he is more known, in my opinion, for being a bad guy in Spider-Man. Not so much. So, Daredevil. you have, you know, his voice is kind of, like, deeper. It's just not, it just, it's not as, I guess, raspy. And the raspiness of the voice was what bothered me. Everything else, though, again, like, delivery, his, the lines themselves, I, excellent. It's just that one... I think thing. it shows that he controls what he says. He chooses his words very meticulously when he speaks, and that's why he speaks that way. He doesn't want to trip up on something he's saying. Maybe. And he always has to be that way, in his mind. That's just my thought on it. It's just always he always like curls his lip up when he talks, like when someone asks him a question or he has to respond to something, he just curls that lip up. And he's because like, that's his brain. <laughs> that's his brain thinking what he's got to say. <laughs> He's got a little piece of his brain in his lip or something. Yeah, so it's just like every time he talks, I'm just like, here we go, you know? <laughs> I, but I, I think he's the best bad guy on all of the Netflix shows and probably any other Marvel TV show out there, Gotham, or that's DC, but any of those. Um, oh, I thought David Tennant's character in Jessica Jones. What the hell was he? Uh, uh, Kilgrave. That's it, that's it. Yeah. Um, he was really good, too. I wanted to see him come back, but he's kind of real dead. But he does. He does kind of. Com- he comes back to Jessica, obviously in her own in her brain. brain. But he does come back, and I like the way that they brought him in. I think when they were trying to tease that out, it made it sound like he was actually coming back. Um, you know, but it's because they always want to hype. You know, a second season or whatever. Like, oh shit, is he back? Well, yeah, he's back. Kind of like the what what they did with the uh, Sherlock. Oh, uh, with Moriarty. Yeah. In in the it was to me the like BBC the same, yeah. show. Yeah, it's like the same shit. Like, oh, is it. Is he back? Dude, I he I was hate... an, he was another great fucking villain. Not to get off track of Daredevil here, but 
that dude who played him did an amazing job. And in the beginning of watching that show, I was just like, I don't know about this cat. He's playing Moriarty. I don't know about this. And then, then the like, the 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 the, the twisted mind mind fuck of, of it is just awesome. The, the third season of Sherlock, or but fourth you, season, was terrible. The last season. But isn't it? I mean, if if you know, again, like you said, not to get too far off the topic of uh, Daredevil, but it's always. I think when it's more unexpected, when you have an actor just kind of flex their, you know, their, their acting, acting muscles. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, if you flex muscles, not chops. But it's like everybody says about Heath Ledger. Like, Heath Ledger's playing the Joker. Like, that's a fucking joke. But look what look Ha ha, no pun intended. But, um, I mean, everybody, that role, his acting be, was iconic. universally, yeah, universal, universally acclaimed. And, like... Did that have to do, like, oh, he died before the movie was released, so did that add to it? I think that kind of – I think that did. I think it hyped up the sales in the beginning. But, like, if he had a terrible performance, I think people would just be like, oh, it's just a shame. Yeah. But now it's just like it was like he delivered one of the best performances in his whole career as a villain. Everyone just thought he was like this, like, kind of – Broke back mountain cat. Broke back – not even that, but even before that, he played in uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, Knight's Tale. Like, those are his move, the, the, his yeah, top you, movies. Those are some deep cuts there, man. There's not many people who, who will, will know those movies unless they're, like, 90s kids. Um, well, I am, and also I was in high school when these movies came out. So, of course, every teenage girl was obsessed with Heath Ledger. And I was, like, 50 when you were in high school. Oh my god! And I bought I bought that DVD of Night's Tale. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I know what you're talking about. I re- I remember that. And ten things I hate about you. Actually, fun fact about me, I was at the premiere to that in New York City. One tickets from New York Z100 took my siblings to go see. Oh, it. look at you! Yeah. I didn't even know this about you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of forgot about it for years for some reason, but yeah. Uh, and Columbus Circle, me and my my sisters went to go see that. So I got to see it before everybody else. Very nice. No actors were there, though. I didn't see it till it was on cable. <laughs> it would have been nice if the actors were there. Um, then I could have said maybe I met Heath Ledger before he was the Joker. Oh, that would have been crazy. Yeah. And I could have been like, yeah, me and Heath go way back, but we don't. <laughs> um, but back to, to Daredevil. We keep breaking. Sorry, going off on tangents. But... Let's talk about the characters, because to me, one of the biggest things in any show or movie or anything else is the characters, and the characters make – the storyline can be terrible. No, that's not true. It's still not going to work. But if you have bad actors or the acting is terrible or you just can't relate or whatever, they make the show. And I think Matt Murdock, the guy who plays him, is amazing. I, we already said um, Kingpin is amazing. Now let's go with – let's start talking about Foggy and, and Karen Page and, and Bullseye and um, Vanessa, I guess. more of, That's more of a minor character in my opinion. Um, I, I mean out of the ones that you just listed. Yeah, it's, who's it's, your favorite character okay, out of it, the it, series? If, you know, I'm going to go cliche here. I don't typically pick the title character, but I'm going to have really? to go with that. Yeah, Matt Murdock. See, I really like Foggy. I like Foggy too. That's, that's hard to – He was in the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> His slap shot is on point. But even like his – He's God, a nice – his character balances Matt Murdock's character, I think, so much. It, he does such a good job of it. And I think in – just in real life, like if I had known like these two people, mm-hmm. I would identify more with Foggy than I would with Matt Murdock because I always look at you, Matt and just like, you are so fucking dramatic. Like, oh, And that's what Foggy kind of does to him. It's just like, 
you know, like, yes, like, we're, we're going to stick by you, we're your friends, and you're going to be like, oh, no, I got the Harry Potter complex, I got to go save the world because I'm special and I can do this myself and I don't need my friends. And then you got Ron and Hermione, Foggy and Karen, just like, no, bitch, you actually need us and stop being fucking dramatic. This is exactly the, that is exactly what season three is. Yeah. That's a, Harry yeah. Potter, Matt Murdock, you're in the same club. <laughs> Except one has a wand, the other has a beady stick. Baton? The baton, thank you. Oh my god. I, I like beady stick better. A beady stick? Yeah, it's a beady stick. He beats people with it. <laughs> but I, I, that's a damn good relationship thing you said there, I guess. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but I think you're right. I think you do identify more with Foggy in in the fact, like, in a different sense, you're like, nope, got to follow the law. It's the law. Can't break the law. The, you're going to get in trouble. That's you. That That's is you. me. But I'm also like, how can I make the law like work around? How am I going to make this work for me? Versus like, he's just like, nope, that didn't fucking work. I'm just going to go break the law and just do all this shit. Although, and use his beady stick. And use his beady stick. <laughs> Although the way that he had done it, like you, you expect him. So again, spoilers. In the last episode, you expect Matt Murdock. He just doesn't have faith in the law anymore. It just didn't work up until that point. And they and he gave Foggy the benefit of the doubt. He said, this is going to, you know, I'll, I will follow your lead. And then it just didn't work out. So then he's like, fuck it, we're doing it my way. Which mm. is, you know, exactly what you think is going to happen. Um, but he does it in an unexpected way. I think the way that he, he does it in a way that you... I thought he was just going to... It was going to blow up in his face and, and Foggy and Karen were going to save him a little bit. But he does it... Well, you said spoilers, so way. how did he do it? Um, well, he provokes Bullseye into doing what he was going to do, and he, Bullseye ends up going after uh, Wilson Fisk and to try to kill him. And, you know, it, what confused me a little bit, I think, at the episode was that um, you had Daredevil fighting Bullseye, even though they had the same objective. But then at the end... Dare, he doesn't want Bullseye to actually kill Wilson Fish just to create the spectacle that does the whole big reveal and everything. But he, you know, blackmails Wilson Fisk into basically agreeing to leave Foggy and Karen alone. And go back to jail. And just go back to fucking jail so he doesn't go after Vanessa. Which, again, if Wilson Fisk was dead, um, and that was kind of like what Matt Murdock battles with the entire season, is like, I want to kill this guy even though I don't want to actually kill somebody because it's going to turn him into is it's gonna he's gonna cross a line that he can't come back from see and that's where i feel that matt murdoch does that that exact thing is i'm like that's a page out of batman's book like batman should have killed the joker a long time ago then all this other shit the joker does wouldn't have happened if matt murdoch kills wilson fisk he doesn't have to have that worry same thing with bruce wayne he wouldn't have to have that worry but you leave them alive you you think the law is gonna do what it's gonna do and Sure enough, the law fails Matt Murdock, and he does what you said he does. But is he wrong? Like He's not. And see, the thing is, is like you go through thinking, like, he's not wrong. Like, absolutely, this guy's just going to kill more people. He's just going to turn more of the FBI. He's just going to turn the New York, not just New York City, but the whole country into this giant corrupt machine. Um, like it's not already? Exactly. Well, in, in, in a much more a blatant way. But because the way that he had plotted and done it and still didn't kill Fisk and everything worked out the way that, you know, that to me, that's character growth. Mm -hmm. He did it. He did break the law essentially, but he still got the law to where he, he was able to do it in a way that appeased Foggy, that appeased his own personal code and nobody else, I guess, you know, 
you know, and Wilson Fest goes back to jail and hopefully in a position where he's not able to influence the FBI or any law enforcement into doing his bidding anymore. So it's, it, it is different than putting him in jail the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it because it leaves it open for Wilson Fisk to come back somewhere else. Like maybe he shows up and I know I'm reaching at this, but like I said, he was a big Spider-Man bad guy. Wouldn't it be great if one of the end credit scenes of the new Spider-Man movie coming out next year is Wilson Fisk in jail as Kingpin. And now he, now he makes it to the big screen and that's where we get the crossover with the shows on TV. You're not adding more heroes. But you are adding But you villains. are adding a villain. And the one thing that Marvel on the screen has an issue with is their villains somewhat lack in most of their movies at this point. They're definitely not as strong as they were in the beginning. And I think it's because you've gotten... When you go into the supernatural world, like now you're in space, now you're like Asgard bad guys, Guardians bad guys. When you have and that... And you have the quantum realm now too. There's so many factors to play. It, it, characters get a little bit less you know, quote-unquote human yeah. at that point. And it's hard not to take it into this kind of fantastical thing. And you're just like, can I keep it real while still keeping it in this kind of fantasy superhero universe? Because that's what we're getting as the movies progress. Yeah. They're, they're becoming less about the everyday, which is why I think they worked in the first place. And then they're transitioning into the superhero, back into the just the superhero-ness. And where it's unbelievable at that point And anymore. that's where it's starting to come off the rails. In my opinion. Well, you're getting into something I wanted to get into anyway, so we'll go to that. With uh, And we've talked about this like when Justin was on. Um, the Iron Fist and Luke Cage cancellation. And now we have Daredevil. I mean, I don't keep up on seeing how many viewers and, and what the stats are. But you've seen the end of this. And you've seen what happened to them. Are we looking at this getting canceled too? I and think if I'll this got canceled, why I phrased it that way. If this got canceled, also, I think it was a satisfying enough ending to where I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't be upset over its cancellation. And that's that's where I'm going with the the way this ended with the three of them, Karen, um, Murdoch, and Foggy sitting at the table and coming up and rebringing the team back together and opening their own law firm. Again, spoilers alert. Um, I mean, you could end it right there, and it'd be perfect. They go on their way. They start their new business, and they do their thing. They're fine with Matt doing his thing on the side a little bit better now. Um, I, I think it could end there and it'd be fine. But that's why I think they are going to cancel it. I think that was the end. I think they definitely they, they provided a satisfying enough ending to where fans they wouldn't upset the fans over you know with a cliffhanger yeah. because you end something on a cliffhanger and then something gets canceled, which has happened to plenty of shows. Well, it happened with Luke Cage. I mean, Luke Cage now took over that club in Harlem and it's like, he's somewhat of a bad guy. And mm. it's like, well, how does he get redeemed? How does he come back from, from that? Unless they do another, unless they do another season of the defenders and then they conclude a story there. Or they conclude the iron fist story there and Jessica Jones is because they kind of well Jessica Jones and Punisher still have another season to go at least right well I mean if I never saw Trish Walker again I wouldn't really be upset at all but um, <laughs> I agree I can't stand for a long her. time actually Karen Page's character really aggravated the hell out of me too because to me it's just like I look at characters side characters like that who create messes for the main person to um, kind of clean up and whatever and it's like oh god what is wrong with this person like you do it once or twice, it's like, all right, like yeah. you fucked up, and then you like you keep doing it, and just it's like, like, why are we still? Yeah, it's down. just like, why are we friends? <laughs> but um, 
And then, like, as the season went on, I think with Karen Page, and we learn a little bit, we learn a lot more about Karen Page and her history. And at first, I was really annoyed at the episode because I'm like, oh my God, exactly. I'm just like, here we go. And that was probably one of my favorite episodes. Really? Really, because understanding her a little bit more, it's just like she's not vapid and she's. You know, she's got a lot of demons herself that she's got to deal with. You know, maybe, you know, arguably even more so than Matt Murdock does. Okay. You know, and she's not dragging her, you know, and she could tell that she's a little bit haunted by her past, but she's still, like, she still moves forward. She still risks her life. She's an investigative reporter, you know, and I found myself respecting her much more immensely. You know, maybe I need to just stop being so judgmental, but... It is a TV show. It is a TV show, and no, I... I I loved that episode. I thought it was a fantastic episode. I thought it was a good episode because up to this point um, in all three seasons, you really didn't get much of Karen's backstory other than the little tidbits she told here and there or something in passing. But you never really got a full picture of what happened and, and how she came to New York and everything else. The issue I have with that is it still leaves some questions like how did she transition like, where's this transition phase of her going from I'm a drug addict, nobody, piece of garbage, because that's kind of how she portrayed it in some hick town, to this investigative journalist with goals and everything else. Like, where – I understand that she had a tra- traumatic thing with her brother dying and she changed her ways and everything, but that doesn't happen in two seconds. There's still more there that we're missing. I don't see – I actually disagree. I feel like a traumatic life event like that, especially when you feel an immense amount of guilt over it because she felt like – she carried that with her. And the fact yeah, that like, her, her, her dad's like a fucking shitty dude and basically like I don't want you here, blamed her for her brother's death. And she had a hand in it, 100%, no doubt. But her brother also – did something incredibly fucking stupid and set somebody's fucking trailer on fire. So even if she didn't intervene, he either would have been killed by her boyfriend, in which case he set a fucking trailer on fire. So the, I look at the brother just like, um, you know, Karen, the fact that she just, without hesitation, ran to his defense, even though she felt like at the time her boyfriend was the only one on her side, but she completely disregarded that to protect her brother. And that, to me, I was just like, I respected that moment because it showed that she was extremely capable of being unselfish, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, fast forward that, just like she tried to do the right thing. She really got fucked over by it. And, um, you know, after a selfish moment with, like, having that argument with her family about her going to college and their future and, what, and whatnot. And then that type of moment will transform you. Like, your brother died in the car. If you weren't as high or drunk or whatever, that your brother might still be alive and then it's going to change your life course. So she left that entire place behind. It's like, what can she do different? They allude to the fact that, you know, as far as the writing thing, when she's basically dealing cocaine, this dude brings up like, Oh, professor says, I even forget the word, but she comes back and says, Oh, I mean, I think it means this or that, mm-hmm. you know? And that's just like, a th- you know, is that a throwaway line? I think that that was their connection, like how she became a journalist. Gotcha. All right. That's, that that I I guess I missed or or whatever or didn't put it together. And I only watched six episodes. Yeah, <laughs> huh. you missed the best episodes though. Yeah, nah, well, I don't well, know about well. that. Because the beginning of and again with all these Marvel shows, I feel like the first few episodes are kind of slow moving. It's good and it's bad. It, it's a double edged sword. I mean, you get Matt Murdock, who obviously because before this 
the last time we see him is Defenders, and he has a fucking building collapse on him. So we get the, the scene where, you know, he's waking up in his childhood home of, of the orphanage or the, ch- the basement of a church or whatever. And that's how it ends. So it picks up right there. We get him laying in the bed, all bandaged up and everything. And sure enough, the second he, he can stand, he tries to, to start fighting, to, to, to practice again or whatever. But his vision and his hearing and his smell, it's all fucked up until he, like, unclogs it with a neti pot or whatever it's called. And it's like, oh, that's it? That's all that happened? And then, then no, he gets punched in the head, and it's like all that shit returns. It's like, dude, you ain't fucking healed yet. Sit your ass back down. And they do like two or three episodes of that. It's like, we get it. It takes some time to heal. I'm glad you did it because it's not like a superhero movie where it's like, oh, fuck, I'm awake. Let me go fly and beat the shit out of somebody. <laughs> it's like, no, that, that doesn't happen in real life. So you get the training montage again. You get him trying to get his self back up. Always like a good training montage. So sidebar, real quick, favorite training montage in a superhero movie? Um, best of the best? Just Oh, superhero movie. Okay, you know what? It doesn't have to be a superhero movie, guys. Any type of training montage, specifically. Either best of the best or, I guess, the Karate Kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know of any superhero training montages other than, like, Superman from the 80s. No, dude, Batman Begins. It's got one of the best ones when he's with the League of Shadows. But is it a training montage? It kind of is because he's training with Ra's al Ghul. Like, but it's during... not a, I'm thinking like the training montage where it's like you get 30 seconds of the training and it's like, I'm ready to go. No, no, no. Okay, so, you know. Training. Fun. Sequence. Let's okay. call it a sequence. That's fine. Not um, limited to a montage. Then, then yeah. I Batman Begins was definitely probably my favorite. I've seen that movie more times than I can probably count. And every, I, people give me shit because I think that is the best Batman origin story even though we still get the pearls falling on the fucking ground and, and all that shit, I think that is the best start of a Batman movie. I, I love the fact that Batman don't show up until like halfway through. Because, again, it might be slow moving, but I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always, you know, and I've said this, you know, probably a dozen times before, but I always appreciate a superhero movie that brings it back that these people are... Human. People, yeah, yeah, people, yeah, and they're not just superheroes, and they're not just the character. They are, you know, they're, you know, fully fleshed out characters. And I think that Batman Begins. I mean, it did so much for the superhero film industry. I don't think you would even have an MCU like you have it now without that film. You're, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, that started the hype again for for comic book heroes and comic book movies. But speaking of, that's how it all started. Are we now seeing the end of it? Are people getting superhero fatigue? And going back to what you said earlier, is the superhero fatigue because it is straying away and going to more fantastical, and I put in air quotes around that because you used that word, fantastical storylines with aliens and and other worlds and multiverses and whatever. Is that what's helping to push it out the door, in your opinion? I do. I absolutely believe that. So you take a movie like, let's, let's look at Iron Man. Let's look at Iron Man 1. Mm-hmm. Back in 2008. And let's look at Infinity Wars Part 1, 2018. You show a movie like Infinity War now, just with the space kind of shit going on and going back to this fantastical um, fantasy African kingdom, you know? Wakanda? Wakanda, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, all that happens, you know, with these aliens and these other, like, beings, On you a know? place that doesn't really yeah. exist. And it's like, you show a movie like that, 
in 2008, like without a decade of setup. And that movie would have been panned. As good as everybody said it was, I think it would have been panned. I don't disagree. I think what happened to get to that movie is people fell in love with characters. Iron Man probably, Iron Man and Steve Rogers probably in the top two, obviously. Like you saw their movies, you fell in love with with Chris Evans and, and, and Robert Downey Jr. as those characters. Like they are Captain America and Iron Man now. They are. Mm-hmm. Going forward, if somebody 10 years from now says, who's Iron Man? Everybody, yeah. Everybody would say it. That's what, yeah. So without those setup movies, you're right. I agree with you. I think that movie would fail 10 years ago right. if there was no setup like this. Now, this is why I'm having a problem with, with the fatigue thing. Like, I agree. I, I hate I, – anybody who knows me knows I hate multiple things when it comes to these types of movies. I fucking hate time travel. I cannot stand it. Back to the future, asterisk. Um, and I hate space travel. Again, I watch Star Wars, but I like that. For it the... took you a long time. You came into that, you know, that fan base very late in your life. Yeah, because space sucks, and I feel that way about Infinity War. I want to see more battles in New York or someplace on Earth. Like I was even fine with the Wakanda thing. While it doesn't exist, I could believe it a little better because it exists in Africa. You know what I mean? It, granted, it has a shield around it; nobody can find it. It's like that's kind of stupid. But see, but, like, that's also why, like, if we're, you know, because we're going to have to bring this back to TV. Well, I, I was just about to do that. So that's why I'm surprised that they're starting to cancel these shows on TV that don't go to space. They don't have time travel. These are all people in New York City. And Matt Murdock is a blind dude with extra senses. Like, it's kind of believable. Like, his other – whoa, almost dropped the mic there. Mic drop. Uh, but he has, like, his other senses are – are, are, are heightened because of the blindness. I think when you take one element like that yeah. into a real universe, I think it makes it much more interesting. Rather than having, like, there are, like, 80 elements of fantasy in this one setting, it, it just, it just, it stretches the imagination a little bit too far, and then it, it just takes that kind of realism out of it, and... Like um, the fact that Tony Stark can breathe on another planet with his mask off? Well, there, that there, there's that, and then um, you know, there's a whole like oh, suspension of like disbelief and all this other shit, and just like have an imagination. These are comics and whatever. Like, I I know that, but what I'm saying is that I'm not, I don't think Infinity War was a terrible movie. I don't. I just think that this is where it's starting to come off the rails because there's just too many of these fantasy elements to to you know that root that root in realism is kind of getting you know it's getting away from itself and mm-hmm. i think that that's where i'm losing my interest and you know you have, you have people all over the place that thought that movie was so amazing and that those fantasy elements and all that shit that they brought in from all the comics was what made the movie and me not being an avid comic book reader or or fan like other other like other like, fans i'm a different type of fan and so i'm gonna have a different type of opinion yeah, of course I, I mean i read comics i have plenty of trade paperbacks and everything else but seeing it on the screen doesn't work to me it it, it is it's like i can't get behind again i already said why but that's why i'm coming back to tv they do live in the real world why are we starting to cancel these like why is it stopping here because i would love to see more daredevil i think they have a perfect ending but leave that ending come up with another character from comic book lore and now start a whole new season from season one learning about this new character. You ended Daredevil. 
bring in another superhero to replace it and keep it in the real world. And I think maybe Netflix or Marvel or whatever has a good idea going there. I would like to see that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I like the TV, I think, better than I do the movies at this point. Well, I don't – I'm kind of like right now they're kind of just neck and neck with me. Um, but let's bring it back to another TV show that a lot of people seem to have forgotten about, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The first two seasons of that show were really, really good. And then they started to get into being about fucking aliens. And I'm like, Fucking I aliens can't. and inhumans. Yeah. And which is like, also why I don't like the X-Men. Well, see, I always loved the X-Men. But they were, but they were regular people. They were people who just had this mutate, you know, mutated gene that made them special. But you, you put them in a setting where they're around real people. And I think that that's what really worked. Now – Introducing that, plus there's aliens, plus this and that, and I just completely – I think that much. show got lost in the gimmicks. I really do, and, and I, I lost interest. See, I think Marvel, since that was like the first or one of the first superhero shows and brought back Coulson, and it tied in with the movies like we can't show another episode till Winter Soldier comes out because that affects what happens there. I think all that helped it but also hurt it because it's like – well, Winter Soldier don't come out for two more weeks. What do we do with those two weeks in between? They put in filler episodes or we they don't show it that week or whatever. And I think that kind of hurt it a little bit. But then when it came back, it's like, oh, shit, I just saw that in Winter Soldier. So. And then you had the whole Coulson thing and you go into Aliens. And that's where, again, it lost me, too. The first two seasons were good. I agree. Um, now, I don't even watch that show. No. After the... I think we watched the first two episodes of season three, and it was just like I was completely uninterested because what I think made Agents of Shield a really, really good show was the fact that the it chemistry, was the, the chemistry between the, the cast, but the fact that they were going around, they were investigators. This was an investigative television series. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. were out like solving problems and doing all this stuff, and then the whole thing with the the whole twist with Ward. That's where was, it lost me, man. Well, right after if, – if they had left it at that and that was kind of like – Where he was Hydra? Where Yeah, where no, he was – No, that, that, that twist was fine. It's the other one like the season after. The aliens yeah. with the fucking supernatural planet thing. It's just like, okay, I can't. But he was my favorite character in the show. And then you did that to him and I'm like, nah, this is – this is my words probably exactly then. It's garbage. You just ruined the entire show with just that one thing. I thought it was – yeah, I thought it was pretty bad too. If they had left it – um, but I look at the look at the studios that produced it, ABC versus Netflix. So Netflix, again, you have better, you have t- you, you have tighter stories in Netflix because I think that Netflix is okay with having short or or less seasons to tell a complete story and then being okay with saying, okay, we told the story, it's over. Where there's the, stu- the major studios like ABC, look at Once Upon a Time. Okay, so this is like a huge. I really yeah, hate I to admit that I, I ever s- watched this show, but no I watched the first two seasons, and they were good. Of Once Upon a Time, they were second season wasn't good. They should have ended with that story one. with season one because and that story was told; it was finished. But what ABC does, and what a lot of major networks do, milk oh, the it shit did, out yeah, of it, until it, got, it fails. They're going to just create these these stories that are so crazy that everybody. They're like, oh, did you see the the newest episode? They they brought this character and and they brought like the wicked witch from Wizard of Oz. Or this is these are things that I've heard from like my friends and my relatives, and it's like, oh my god, listen, I want you to listen to what you just said. Yeah. 
That is what you're getting excited about. And, and wait, you're, you're forgetting the other thing. It goes total soap opera-ish with like, and then you find out that Peter Pan's dad is actually Captain Hook, who is actually the nephew of somebody else. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. Now this town is all related somehow? Like, I'm, I'm confused. And yeah, that's just, it's fucking stupid. Right. So you look at that, and I was like, I compare Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to Once Upon a Time. I would never compare Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D to a show that has a caliber of Daredevil. You know what I mean? Like, that is... And I, well, here's the other thing. You, you, you mentioned that it was on ABC. So they can't get away with as much as Netflix get away with. Netflix is language. It's like how a real person would talk. ABC is like, well, we kind of got to be kid-friendly, so... You, you can be kid... There have, sh- there have been shows that have been produced. Look at shows like NCIS. Look at shows like CSI. Like, those types of shows, they're for adults. And but they're not not kid friendly. Sometimes you get a little you get a couple of uh, scenes that are a little bit grotesque. And I compare it because I'm, I'm thinking you're appealing to the same type of audience with a show like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as like something that's similar to people who would watch either. Um, you know, it's I guess it's it's, it's kind of like, you know, CSI, but with like, you know, superheroes powers. and people with powers. The fact that they had added that as like a layer of subtlety but it was treated like an investigative show. It was what made it really good. And then it just got ridiculous, like Agreed. once upon a time. Same thing with that. It's just like you had this kind of fantasy element. They brought a small part of the fantasy into the real world, and it made that first season really good. And then they just got ridiculous. Okay. So let's start wrapping up. But do to wrap up, do you think Netflix should continue with another character, or do you think it's time to start putting – the superhero shows and movies to bed like do we really need another 10 years of this no i think they should put it down i think you should put it down because you give yourself a little bit of a break to come up with new ideas or new interpretations you're not relying on things that has been successful in the past as much as you would if you're just you know even just coming off two years of a break um you know i think that that's the mistake that dc kind of that DC made because they've had these, you know, kind of successive years. Like let's release like these three Batman movies, take a pause and then let's release this movie and then this movie and Superman and whatever. And then you look at, um, and I, I just think that they made a mistake there because it wasn't enough of a break to kind of rethink what they were doing with Marvel. It's like you had the terrible daredevil, Ben Affleck's daredevil, which was fucking horrible. Green Lantern. And you had green. Well, no, that's not Marvel. No, it's just terrible movie. Um, yeah, that is. I I can't argue with that. But you have, you know, you had those kind of small movies in between, aside from Sony's, you know, Spider-Man series, which, you know, when I was a teenager, I thought they were great, just like you know. But then they came out with the Amazing Spider-Man, and you know, we talked about this a few episodes ago when we just talked about Spider-Man in general. I didn't play the game, so I had really nothing to talk about. So I just brought it into, a, you know, Spider-Man and other media. But, like, those are really, really good things. And then you look at, like, movies, like, even before them, before, you know, MC really started. Marvel didn't do a lot in film. Not a lot. They, yeah, you had a couple here and there, but you have enough of a break to kind of say, like, listen, we need to reset and start over. And I think that that's what really made them hugely successful See, versus DC. Well, this is now – I do want to wrap up. But because you said, like, you know, put it to bed, I'm hoping that – uh, I don't even know if that's the title, but Avengers 4 – is um, that's it. It's over. Like You ended all those character stories. Now do they start over, and is that acceptable? Or no, stop completely, end it with Avengers 4, 
pick up in five years. Start with new characters or continue with those characters. Just give a five-year break. The problem I have with doing that is now those people who play those characters are older by five years. They are, but, like, if you're going to give the break, like, they saved the world and, and you know, that's kind of another thing that I think that adds to superhero fatigue. It's just, like, okay, they, they saved the world from the greatest threat that there ever was, but then there's an immediate threat that needs to interest your audience, again, to make it seem like it's escalated. But they can do in the show, like, five years later. Now it is five years in the future. Yeah, So, but how many, how, so how many greatest threats to the universe can there possibly fucking exist out there? I think you need to tell a completely different story. And this universe and the MCU package it up. It was a great story told over well over a decade. Any any right minded person would be, I think, really happy and proud of that. Look at Star Wars. You know, they're coming out with I mean, those prequel movies aside, the second kind of iteration, the second generation, I guess, of Star Wars, you had completely brand new characters. Yes, you can bring it back to some of these. You're talking old about ones. the Disney owned ones with with Kylo Ren and, and Rey. And shit. Yeah, so okay. like you know, and Finn and Poe and all that stuff. I think what makes that successful is that you have completely new characters. Yes, you have those Easter eggs. You have things that you know because you have past. You have past to deal with past storylines. It's still there, but it's not. Um, you know, it's an indirect part of the movie i mean you're gonna see that more i think in nine because you know you you basically have the skywalker legacy you're still telling that story but with a completely new cast and i think but it's well known it's 30 years later not five 30 you have time to build new threats you have time to build new villains like real ones not ones that's just like oh i'm just gonna wait till thanos fucks up and then i'm gonna take center stage like that's never gonna fucking happen so that's why i'm just like end it well you heard it from her MCU is over, in her opinion. Fuck it should anything. be. I don't think it will be because no. people are greedy as shit. But yeah, I got gotcha. you. And I guess that'll do it for us. You got anything else you want to talk about before I start doing plugs or whatever we call them? Uh, not. I think no I'm final finished. thoughts. <laughs> All right, well, guys, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, Spotify, Blueberry, whatever. We're out there. Check your favorite podcast directory. If you don't find us, email me and I'll get it there. Otherwise, be sure to definitely like us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Nerdcaster, on Twitter, at Nerd underscore Caster, and on Instagram, at Nerdcaster. Uh, Other than that, everybody have a good week. Nerdcaster out.